Welcome to Commune, a global wellness community and online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers. We are on a mission to inspire, heal, pass down wisdom, and bring the world closer together. This is the Commune Podcast, where each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us live this healthy, connected, and purpose-filled life. In addition to our courses on yoga, meditation, and personal development, Commune also offers an array of social impact courses, including Unwinding Prejudice, Redefining Leadership, and Organize March. If you are interested in enrolling in any of those course offerings for free, please email me at jeffk at onecommune.com. Right now, we can all benefit from learning and growing in order to better serve our communities. Today on the show, I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with a new friend, Sophia Amoruso. You will likely know her as an accomplished and edgy entrepreneur. In her early 20s, Sophia launched an eBay store selling vintage clothing. Just a few years later, Nasty Gal skyrocketed, pulling in $100 million in revenue, and Sophia found herself on the covers of a host of business magazines like Forbes. Her autobiography, Girl Boss, which was also adapted into a Netflix special, became an international bestseller. And in 2017, Sophia launched Girl Boss Media, creating content and events geared towards female entrepreneurs. Sophia has become an icon for creative millennial business oriented women. I have the good fortune to be working with Sophia as she launches the next phase of her career. A few months ago, we began to discuss the idea of business mentorship. Now, both Sophia and I had little formal business training, and we cut our proverbial teeth on the job. Sophia is the font of wide-ranging knowledge on launching and growing businesses. And in an effort to help younger entrepreneurs avoid mistakes, she is stepping into the role of teacher and coach with a number of course offerings, including one on Commune called Finding Business Clarity. In our conversation today, we discuss the role of the private sector around social issues, the importance of diversity in the workplace, the value of curiosity, leadership techniques, and other substantive components to startup businesses. My name is Jeff Krasno, and welcome to Commune. Well, we were just discussing the etymology of Sophia's name. I thought you were going to say etymami. <laughs> That's next. Okay. I can spell both, just for the record. Um, and Sophia has, is Greek, right? I'm half Greek. Yeah. My name is Greek. Your name is Greek. And its origin is, means is wisdom, right? Yeah. Sophia means wisdom. And your last name is you pronounce it with more gusto than I I do. mean it's amoruso but it's probably something like amoruso or some something that sounds kind of drunk in italian yeah and that's an italian name that's italian yeah. so you're a wisdom lover yeah yeah do you think that's a fair description of yourself i think so <laughs> i think i'm a savant wisdom lover <laughs> i don't think i'm a studied wisdom lover hmm. yeah i'm not sure i mean i i'll take your word for it but you 
do have uh, a certain evanescent quality, or I would say that you're like really curious. Yeah. And you tend to not be at all intimidated by figuring things out that would otherwise seem like quite difficult. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I might just be like so stubborn that it works out for me. I don't, you know, stubborn enough to believe that I can do things. Maybe? But what's happening in your brain? Give us a window into your brain because there'd be like, I don't know, like some sort of like technical platform mm -hmm. that would normally spook the hell out of anyone and they would have to like find a specialized expert mm -hmm. and hire them at some inflated hourly wage. And you might also do that, <laughs> but, that, but that wouldn't be your first go-to. Your first go-to would be to actually understand it for yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to hold people accountable if you have no idea what they're doing. So having a foundation of what it is that someone you hire something to do is doing and understand, you know, how difficult it is or not how difficult it is, or um, just at the very least trying to understand a platform. And it feels like we're talking mostly probably about uh, software here because there's a lot of software that goes into online courses I'm sure both communes and then business class the the course that I'm building outside of commune and it's um, it's a lot it's a lot of different systems that have to connect to one another and have to tell one another what's happening who's checking out which email and what you should do about it and who's interested in what and passwords yeah so would that be a bit of advice that you might give an aspiring entrepreneur who maybe has a staff of just themselves, is that before you hire anyone, figure out how that thing that they're going to do works? Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, when I started my first business, it was an eBay store, pretty simple. Not every business is that simple to start, but you know, I had software, I had photography I had Photoshop I had I had to understand how to upload files to an FTP server and do a certain amount of HTML to format my eBay listings and my MySpace profile um, and I just I learned everything that I needed to know I learned enough Photoshop to edit photos and design some really basic graphics and I would never have learned Photoshop if it weren't for necessity I didn't have a Photoshop background but I figure if other people can figure this stuff I can I can too uh, so yes, I, I think that what you can learn at the beginning of your business, you should learn because learning from experience is really different than being told by an expert, whatever expert means, and just starting to think a lot about the word expert lately. Um, or, you know, yeah, just like things, I mean, I don't believe like anybody can do anything, but I like to think if someone else has the aptitude to do something. And if I have the access to the same thing, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. Um, I took a couple, like I would try to learn something new every month, even if it was like tie my shoe. But, or I can also. Did you figure it out? Uh, barely. Looks like it. Barely. Did you do that? I did it all by myself. <laughs> okay. This was a two month endeavor. Um but like one month, I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to run paid Facebook campaigns. And I was like, yeah, and I'm going to like upload the custom audiences and make the lookalike audiences and put the pixel in and track the pixel to something. And, you know, I, I was admittedly sucked at it. But I did get some sort of insight into actually what it was and the purpose that it served. 
And then when it came to actually hiring the person that could actually do it, yeah. I could talk to them. You at least like understood the terminology. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that I'm going to have to start doing <laughs> um, when we launch business class. And that's something I'm not going to learn. Yeah. You know, I have one amazing woman named Audrey, who's my digital operations manager, and she knows enough to be dangerous, but she's not doing it herself even. That's something where you're spending money. You really want, you know, your return, you want your return on investment to be great. And your learning curve for something like digital marketing can be more expensive than, you yeah. know, paying the right person. So you're a serial entrepreneur, as am I. And, mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't mean that we make cereal. Uh, I do it, like this keto cereal, though, called Magic's, Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon. Spoon. They yes. sponsor this podcast. Oh, they Shut do? Up. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that was the most... Uh, Naturally native integrated, integrated <laughs> ad. Wow. Um, yeah, we'll have to pull them back in. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll DM them. <laughs> that'd be great. They sent me some cereal. So yeah, I've got it. It's the problem is it's all in my Hollywood office that we just basically gave up because you don't really need offices anymore. Mm-mm. Nope. We're here. We are in your living room. I know. We just did so. I mean, you can do so much. I mean, this is a not a tiny home, but it's amazing how much work you can get done from home. Yeah. And just to have a rare blip of sincerity, and then we can move on from that. I do (laughs) want to express my really heartfelt appreciation for your trust in working with us. And also just your bravery and courage just to jump into something fresh and new. And I guess courage might be a descriptive word for an entrepreneur. I think you have to be courageous. I think you have to be stubborn. I can be hasty and make rash decisions. Mm. And I think this is maybe a quick decision that I made that I'm really excited about and is going to be a really, really great partnership. Sometimes that courage doesn't always work out because I can, I could be more thoughtful about the decisions that I make, which is what finding you know, business clarity is, it's really thinking up front about what kind of life we want to have, what kind of business we want to have. This is something that's a partnership, but I could start a business right now very quickly that would just turn into some massive thing that spirals out. And so I'm at a stage in my life where, yes, I feel confident making certain decisions and then others, I'm actually moving a lot more slowly than I used to, but thank you. Um, I mean, in, you know, this commune is incredible right i'm in such great company like we've become friends this is very easy and comfortable um it just feels incredibly natural so it's one of those things that's like a why not and i didn't really even ask myself that question so Mm -hmm. it's just a yes yeah and i mean you've started two businesses that have had pretty significant trajectories Mm -hmm. and now you're stepping into a new role for yourself in many ways as a dispenser mm-hmm. of wisdom, mm-hmm. of guidance. But did you did you have a mentor when you were starting out? You know, I didn't initially, and then I hired a consultant who is so much more than a consultant. I officiated his wedding. <laughs> his name's Dana Freed, and it was me in a weird little shipyard with a thousand square feet and a bunch of plastic bags and USPS bins on the floors and stinky clothes with snot rags that needed steaming and dry cleaning and had to be shot and put on this 
you know, website because it was vintage clothing, which is what I was doing. Um, and he, you know, he handed me my first employment handbook and was like, here, this costs $50,000 to put together with an attorney. You just white label it <laughs> and taught me how to hire and fire my first people, um, put together my first financials, was really a huge cheerleader for me and a great mentor early on in the business. And I really wish I had kept him around after we raised venture capital because they kind of like were like, okay, we're stripping in here. They were great. I loved my investors um, at Nasty Gal, but he was he's a really special person and I'm, I'm lucky to have learned from him. Yeah. Someday we'll have a podcast that compares war stories uh, around institutional money, but that is not mm, yeah. the subject. Oh of yeah. I can talk one. about that forever. Yeah. So It'll just make everybody's face sour and they'll just like turn the podcast off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's well, not inspiring. Yeah. Well, I would, yeah, duel you in that particular mm -hmm. regard myself. Um, you said something the other day when we were talking that I thought was really interesting and insightful about being an entrepreneur. And you said, when you're an entrepreneur, you work for the customer, not for a boss. Mm -hmm. And I guess I would ask you this question. <laughs> it's sort of loaded. Is, is the customer always right? No, no, totally not. But it doesn't really matter. It's like if you're in a relationship and you hurt the other person, even if you disagree, you just apologize and move on because it's the result of what happened, not like your intention sometimes that you have to answer to, right? Mm -hmm. It's just so much easier to say like, wow, I didn't realize this would affect you like that. Here's how I can make it right. It's just so much easier than like battling people or customers and people often just want to be hurt. And it's the same thing with employees, yeah. right? They come to you and all you have to do is acknowledge people and say, hey, I hear you. I understand the impact that you made on your the, your life. Your dress is late. You know, you were supposed to wear it to a bachelorette party. I'm so sorry that it didn't get to you before you got to Vegas. Um, <laughs> let us overnight you one or let us yeah. overnight one to Vegas or let us give you a generous store credit, right? That stuff goes so far. Um, just a little bit of generosity, even if it's just listening to people, but especially taking action, showing people that you really care and make it right for them even if you don't feel like you really did that much wrong, they'll become a loyal customer forever. Yeah, yeah. I, th I was reading that, um, who was it? It was Marshall Field. Remember Marshall Fields? It was like a, kind of like a Nordstrom's sort of oh. thing. Oh. I think he coined that, but there was another. The customer's always there. Yeah, there was another retail giant mm -hmm. that, always, that also felt that way. It was like, it didn't matter, you know, just always do the right thing. You know, it's kind of that, that protocol at a restaurant. Someone complains about their food. Let's bring them another meal and that's yeah, it. It's, yeah, it's easier to, it's cheaper to retain a customer, even if you have to like deal with them than it is to acquire another one. Mm. It's cheaper to that's a good point. retain an employee and develop them and coach them than it is to hire someone new, you know, and it sets your company back several months. So it's just like, it's, it's just way better to invest in people, including your customers. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about team and leadership because mm -hmm. that's, for me, something that I just, I went to the School of Hard Knocks on it. Um, and I would say for a prolonged period of time, for to be honest, like a too long period of time, I felt like I needed to be involved in every minuscule decision that mm -hmm. happened. And it was... 
in retrospect, really disempowering for the people on my team, mm -hmm. but also in the end sucked for me because now that I'm a little bit more of a grown up, I'm so glad I don't have to make every decision. I know. I know. It, that took me a really, really long time. You know, we think we're so special and we know so much more than everyone else and ideas are so much better because we're inspired entrepreneurs, right? And that's just not true. Yeah. Um, you can have entrepreneurs within your organization who are just as inspired as you and better at certain things than you are. I mean, you have a team of entrepreneurs here. Like you yeah, weren't standing across from me when we filmed this entire course, but I'm sure that everything that you wanted was carried out without you being here. And that's, that's leadership, right? That's you taking what it is that you understand that you want, that you know is right for your business and really deputizing people to take that and, and fulfill on it so that your business can then scale and you can scale yourself without actually having to do more work. Yeah. Well, that I think that's work. a great point that you make <clears throat> is by empowering other people. It creates more space for you to then empower and grow yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, for, I would say for five years, personally, I was in a place of like intellectual paralysis because I was so involved in the weeds and mm -hmm. I just didn't, I didn't grow at all. Um, for you, I wonder though, because, and, and it's not unique to you, but it is representative of the position that you hold, where you, Sophia, are so representative and inextricably tied to the brand that you represent. And I wonder what the upsides and pitfalls of that are, and then how, how you gracefully or potentially sometimes ungracefully manage that? Yeah, I think it's really challenging. Um, it's great. It's a blessing. I'm so lucky to have, you know, a generation of women who have followed the trajectory of my career and read my books and um, followed me and supported me through ups and downs of my career. Um, but I've, it's also come with its fair share of criticism. And that's because I was like, ta-da, like the poster child of entrepreneurship in like 2014 when I wrote this book called Girl Boss and was on the cover of business magazines. That also set me up to be a target. Um, so when I made mistakes, they were really loud mistakes. They're the same mistakes that every other founder makes, same things that happen in every other company. But because I had built this millennial utopia of you know, expectation that Nasty Gal was the, you know, perfect company and that I was the perfect leader because I was so celebrated. You know, the the backlash was was big when when I made mistakes. Um, you know, I think the there's huge upsides to having a personal brand. There's so much more gravity, right? People connect with people. People don't necessarily uh, connect with a brand. That's why brands kind of have endorsements and they have try to have they pay people a lot of money to make it sound like their brand has a brand voice and that's just something that's natural to me that I've lent to my brands but as an individual that's just me yeah. um which also you know in terms of scaling myself I don't I can't like delegate copywriting like I have help here and there sometimes but my voice is very specific you know I can't it's so there's a lot of things that only I can do because otherwise it feels like I phone things in. But most of that is about marketing and creative and things that I really enjoy anyway. But there are certain things that I'm going to have to do because, you know, everything that I'm building really is coming from what I care about and what I actually believe. That's not something anyone can really be clairvoyant about or 
um, invent. Yeah. No, you, you said something, I think maybe it was the first time we spoke that has stuck with me around vulnerability on social media and you obviously being very front forward in your brands, but also just in your personal brand and that, that you are very honest and vulnerable and you offer a window into your life, which people resonate with and appreciate, but that sometimes that vulnerability has to be curated. I think what yeah, you call performative. Yeah. Right? And there's probably parts of your life. You're just like, well, that's actually, that part is off limits, you know? And I wonder how you manage that. Like the, what's, how do you delineate between being vulnerable and open? And then this is just my private life. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty open about most things. And I learned that there are certain things that if you announce them, oh, wow, like this is, you know, I'm going to talk about my experience of this really challenging thing. It's like, okay, for example, about a year ago, I had a miscarriage, right? I don't, I haven't talked about it. And I have enough distance now that I don't need to, like, we don't, it's not like a big thing. No one's going to reach out to me. But if I was talking about it while it was going on, you know, it's enough to just move past something and grieve something. And then to have other people like culturally kind of feed it back to you and be like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. It's like, fuck, I wasn't thinking about that. Why are you reminding me of this? Mm -hmm. So there's things you can put out into the world that might help other people and share your story and might maybe help process stuff for you. But even the few people I told there'd be time, you know, there was a time where I was like, oh, I told one of my investors and we went to lunch and she was like, I'm so sorry about the miscarriage. And I'm just like, shut up. Like what? Like, I don't just, we're going to lunch. Like, don't bring that up. Like. You know, and so even with people that I like knew, not necessarily social media followers, it was just like, wow, I wish I had told a few less people actually. Mm. Um, And even stuff, you know, culture really like projects itself back on you. Um, So something as exciting as getting engaged or married, for example, I'm now divorced. Um, I got, I got engaged. I got married. As soon as you get married, well, as soon as you get engaged, do you have a date? It's like, what? Like I just got engaged. I don't It's not, I'm not like in a hurry. And then you get married. Where's the baby? And it's just like, I don't know, man. Like stop projecting all this shit onto me. This isn't like the, this is my life and my timeline. And where did you guys get all this? This is like, I've never had the amount of, and sorry, this is me complaining, but it's like, I've accomplished so much. But the amount of congratulations I got for like picking somebody and betrothing myself to them for the rest of my life. I, this is just off topic. I thought it was like really bizarre. Like that's an accomplishment. It's just so strange. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't much of an accomplishment. But well. It was a beautiful wedding. That was an accomplishment. It was a great party. I'm, I don't doubt it. Everything you do is tasteful and Thank beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. To, to my, to the detriment of my own vanity um just kidding um so i want to talk to us also a little bit about the role of business in general and then also your business and the impact that you want to create with it so as i survey society Mm -hmm. and i look at like the crumbling traditional institutions of government and science and media and, and, and all of this, I, I feel like it's more and more incumbent on 
businesses and the private sector to actually move society forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've seen in the last at least four years, business leaders take more of an active stance on social issues. Um, I wonder how you see the role of the private sector or businesses generally around the notion of social impact. And then more personally, what does that impact mean for you and and, and where are you positioning your legacy within Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Now, somehow naturally I've made an impact just by selling dresses that made people feel more confident. So that (laughs) just happened somehow. And that was probably the beginning of what that felt like, but it was very unintentional. Um, and I put that uh, energy out into the world a lot, but it's fashion, it's stuff, it's not super sustainable. You know, that was part of my life for a long time. Um, I do believe, I just, okay, I, I believe that businesses can make a huge impact. I believe it's the imperative of every business to make an impact, uh, a responsibility of anyone who um, is fortunate enough to have a business if they can afford to in whatever way they can, because not everybody can make an impact beyond impacting their own lives and feeding their families. Uh, it used to be, and like you said, it's you know the last few years, right? And I built a company called Nasty Gal, an edgy, progressive, provocative fashion brand. And when I wanted to do like a program where we donated a part of the proceeds to Planned Parenthood, my entire executive team and marketing team, and this was, I don't know what, six, seven years ago, eight, a long time ago, they were like, oh, no, 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 you're going you're gonna to alienate half the population. Yeah. And that's just, it's a different era. Totally. Like, that's just table stakes, you know? It's mm-hmm. totally okay. It was so polarizing um, and sh- frowned upon for businesses to take any position in anything politically, um, culturally, uh, you know, environmentally, we've trickled into it. But um, so I think it's really interesting. I think a lot of it can be kind of performative, but I also would rather companies pretend than not do anything at all. Um, and I think over time, uh, business will be businesses will be held, held accountable. So we see more and more of that. And as a marketer, um, things like employer brand impact that you make as an employer to your team or environmental impact um, or, you know, caring about hiring for diversity. These are all things that usually companies like historically kind of, you know, held close to the vest, didn't necessarily like publicize. Consumers didn't care. They were like, cool, I like Coke. You know, I like this thing. Cool, you sold me this thing. Your ad worked. And now it's, the integrity of companies that is selling that's selling things yeah, right yeah. um people care about who, what uber's like on the inside and then they'll book an uber yeah. 10 years ago that wasn't the case and i think that's an incredibly powerful thing You almost can't talk about this topic right now without talking about diversity and inclusion. And any company with any moral rudder at all believes in diversity and inclusion. And 
It is one thing to make a declarative or a performative statement about diversity and inclusion. And then it's a whole other challenge to actually execute that as a leader within your company Mm -hmm. of how you actually create a team that is reflective of a of a pluralistic society and i i mean i don't know this is a very complicated yeah, you're conversation like, Sophia, answer this yeah, <laughs> can you sorry. solve this problem can i saw yeah <laughs> i mean i'll just give you a window to, into like just a small window into like the processes that i've thought about um where so often in small companies because they're small you're hiring because you know people and your friend knows someone and they're like, oh, they'd be great for this. And that there's no poor intention there uh, of hiring a friend of a friend who is actually very qualified. But what that precludes is a broader and wider process that opens that role up to as many people as you possibly can. And so that's one thing that you know, I've committed to in my businesses where as tempting as it is just to, because I honestly don't love hiring. It's not like a favorite pastime yeah. of, my, of mine. Yeah. Um, I actually know. really like it, but I get, I get what you mean. It's like, well, you can interview 50 people or you can be like, oh, cool. My, my white, my white friend's white friend. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any other windows into wisdom that you have around this topic but i think it's 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 right out there and i think people are are trying to figure out clumsily how to best deal with it yeah it's incredibly important i think it's you know for business businesses have to set examples from the inside out of what they want their audiences to look like um and it benefits everybody to have a broader customer base right to serve a variety of people Um, And when you hire people inside your company that don't look like you, they're going to represent broader culture within your organization and help you speak to uh, communities that you may not naturally. Um, And, you know, whatever, HBR, you know, has statistics that are like, you know, diverse teams perform much better, right? It's like, um, I view it kind of as like cross-training where... If you just run straight forward and what, you know, it's like your body's not going to get used to a variety of movements. If you just do push-ups, your ankles are going to get weak. Not that I do any of these things, but you're really laying kind of like a foundation um, and shocks for building a business that will, um, that will live in society and probably be more sustainable long-term than one that starts from a very like kind of myopic point of view. And it's a challenging thing, right? Um, most of my friends are, are white. Um, I really would prefer to work with people I've already worked with. Not all of them are white. We, I think we did a really good job hiring for um, you know, a diverse team at, at Girlboss. Um, but it means going outside of my social circle. It means making sure that we're hiring, you know, that we're casting a very wide net. Um, for positions that could be really, really easy to fill uh, with, you know, someone who's close by or someone who knows someone. Um, But, you know, and on top of that, companies are being held accountable to it. 
You yeah. know, people are asking, I'm sure people are asking you, what does your team makeup look like? I'm time. not even part of Girl Boss anymore and people are asking me for statistics. Yeah. And I'm, pr- I'm proud of, you know, what they were when we had more than five people. Um, and I'm going to be proud of what our team looks like once I have more than one employee at, uh, <laughs> at Amoruso and Co., my new company. Yeah. So let me ask you about you right now and the process that you're going through and that you're stepping, the person that you're kind of stepping into. Because I've always thought that you don't really know how much you know until you teach it. Totally. And I wonder if you're going through a process right now as you're generating all this curriculum around business and how to make one of like, holy shit, I know I know a lot. I know stuff. Yeah. I know stuff and it's exhausting and like I'll like age with it. It'll like, it's like showing up on my face. So I might as well make money off of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, right. Like I know a lot and I've expressed it really piecemeal in interviews and in Instagram captions, but I've never really digested it into any kind of resource that's the kind of resource that I would want. Um, and finding business clarity is that uh, business class will be that. And, you know, 14 years of uh, huge successes and total face plants is like, I better like make use of this. I better help. <laughs> I'm so tired. And I, I said this a little bit earlier. It's like I spent the last 14 years of my career learning by trial and error. And now I want to help people not have to learn by trial and error. Like, please just like save yourself the the pain and you'll make your you'll make plenty of your own mistakes but at the very least just like take these data points and do what you will with them because I have a lot of them um and it's it's great you know it's like um, I'm moving into this almost coach like you know educator space which is like I didn't even go to college I never had coaches I don't even really gra- gravitate to that space very much and I have this expectation of myself. It's like, sure, like I'm wearing orange and I can talk on camera kind of with a prompter, kind of. I can do interviews, whatever. If someone asks me questions, um, but I'm not like raw, raw. I'm not like a born coach. I didn't like wake, I don't wake up every day to just turn on a camera and like start spouting inspirational shit. Yeah. And I really feel like I'm supposed to be that person moving into this. So yeah, I'm courageous and whatever, like I'm doing courageous things. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're all a little insecure about what we're doing. And I just feel like I'm like, wait, like I'm totally not qualified to do this. These people have been coaching their whole lives. You know, they just flip on a camera and they just like, they're like, yeah, you can do anything. And I'm just like, maybe you can't because I can't. And here's, you know, here's what I know. But like, uh, take it with a grain of salt. And I don't even know if that sells shit. Yeah, well, (laughs) I think the demonstrable difference between what you're doing and what a lot of coaches, business coaches are doing is that you actually have the experience of running businesses. I hope that's the difference. I hope someone cares. Because you could just be a coach for being a coach for being a coach. I know. And I mean, I feel a sense of kinship to you because we've been in, we've we've been there on day zero. In the trenches. You know, we've, been part of like the excitement the best part for me which i sense is the best part for you which is like that mm-hmm. that escal that escalator at the beginning when things are like catching um and then we've been there in the maintenance days and in the shaky days and there's just no replacing that experience um 
and hopefully experience leads to Sophia. <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> wisdom. I think so. You just gotta, there's wisdom and then there's doing something with it. True. So you can be an academic and you can be a philosopher, but if you're Nietzsche, but you're miserable, like I don't really care about your philosophy. <laughs> He was miserable. Yeah, if you can't, if you can't, if if you're a miserable person spouting philosophy, like it's coming from, you know what I mean? There's so much out there written by miserable people that we're supposed to learn from, but it's like eating food that was made by someone who like hated making that meal. You know, it's mm. got to be like imbued with some, with like a bunch of bullshit. Like you're passing along, they're passing along some psychic garbage, even if their words like ring true. Mm. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Go find well, some happy people to learn from. Yeah. Well, I have a very I have a very good friend who's a tremendous painter. Um and visual arts is also something that often gets attributed to like or that the best work gets made out of this like lonesome pain, mm -hmm. you know. And he was like, No, fuck that. I make my best art out of joy. That is such a played out, like, passe yeah. thing, that whole pose. Like, it's such a pose. Yeah. It's just like, okay, okay, sad white guy. <laughs> well, life is so hard for you. And wow, you just, you contemplated existence and it bummed you out. Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> You're not special. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, whether you are aware of it, and I know you are aware of it on some level, but I'll just reinforce the notion that you have a, the ability to inspire a lot of people sail a lot of ships yeah. and um i mean you know i can just see from an observational perspective just on your social media how much people look to you for guidance and for inspiration and for joy mm -hmm. and in some ways that's a lot of responsibility but in another ways that's a great gift to be in that position yeah it's a gift if i leave this planet having helped anybody right like i'm i've done my job and i think and thank you it's also a lot of pressure it's like wait you're projecting all the stuff onto me because i wrote a book seven years ago and you're saying i helped you like only you can help yourself you read a book like i actually played no role in that you should at least own and be proud of what you accomplished because i didn't change your life right only people can change their lives and they love to give their power away. Um, but legacy is important to me. Mm. I want to leave a smear, you know, whether it's a canceled <laughs> Netflix series or a Forbes cover when my company's going bankrupt. Like I just want to look back and I don't know how many years, another 30, 40, whatever years I'll live 50 and say, and like show a grandkid or something and be like, yeah, man, I don't know how I pulled that one off. <laughs> That's your next book. Sophia Amarusa's great smear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just leave a mark. Thank you for listening to this week's episode with Sophia Amaruso. To keep up with Sophia, which is not easy to do, follow her on Instagram at Sophia Amaruso. And be sure to check out her new commune course called Finding Business Clarity at onecommune.com. If you have any questions, comments, and suggestions for me, please feel free to email me at jeffk at onecommune.com. I try to respond to every message. 
And that's all from the commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasnow, and I am here for you.